0: Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge, Knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success? It's a no brainer. Think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity, share your story, and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business. People like Ian Payton, who's taken the course, launched their own podcast, and already in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. And you could be next. The 7 Million Bikes Podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A Aaron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A W D L Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hours worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y Funny Productions. Hey everyone, it's me again. If you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. In addition to listening to this show without the ads, you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well. Doesn't cost that much. You can get plans for as low as $1 a month. You can show the love and your support. Just go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S, and subscribe and listen and enjoy today. Again, that's patreon.com slash Hello, and welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Joe Biden celebrated his 81st birthday. He made several jokes about his age. Of course, he had to clean them up a bit for the White House press score. So as a result, he didn't tell dad jokes, but great granddad jokes. And that's (laughs) the only dad joke I'm telling this whole season, I promise. (laughs) Biden's age became a bit of an issue online when during the annual Thanksgiving turkey pardoning, he confused Britney Spears with Taylor Swift. I'm only 40, but I find that easy to do as I've masturbated to both.
1: Oh.
0: (laughs) I figure that makes up for the one dad joke that I'll do all season. (laughs) Argentina elected Javier Malay, a far right candidate, as its president. If you've never seen Javier Malay and you want to know what he looks like, just imagine Johnny Cash and Ted Nugent had a baby and then laced its formula with PCP. (laughs) Malay once described himself as a tantric sex instructor who once went three months without ejaculating. That's nothing. This country can do better. If you believe Stormy (laughs) Daniels, Trump hasn't ejaculated since conceiving Baron. (laughs) And even then, a turkey baster was involved. (laughs) For legal reasons, I have to say that's not true to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) Sam Altman was fired as the CEO of OpenAI. OpenAI, of course, is the company that created ChatGPT. It would have been galling if he discovered that the board members used ChatGPT to write his dismissal notice. (laughs) (laughs) A car exploded on the Rainbow Bridge at the Canadian border near Niagara Falls. It's almost as if someone said they wanted to go over the falls in a barrel and someone else said, here... Hold my Molson's and watch this. <laughs> Investigators said there was no sign of terrorism, but that, of course, didn't stop Fox from trying to push the theory. It boggles my mind how they can even report these kinds of things with a straight face. Canada's becoming a haven for terrorism. It starts with us importing Alex Trebek, Jim Carrey, and the kids in the hall. That's how they soften us up. Now they're going after our rainbow bridge. Tomorrow it's the duty free. <laughs> the rolling stones announced they will tour the u.s next year and that the tour will be sponsored by aarp in other news chris Dalia will go on a tour next year and it will be sponsored by the national sexual assault hotline (laughs) the new tesla truck is going to be bulletproof this is a security measure due in part that someone may see elon musk driving one (laughs) and on that note On with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen and Gina Brown.
3: Hey, Tom. Hey,
0: Welcome back. Uh, How was your guys' week off and your uh, Thanksgiving?
3: Well, Tom, I want to perform a public service for listeners of this podcast for the second straight year. Oh, what did I do now? Well, because, undoubtedly there is a great overlap between the number of listeners between Tom Myers versus the rest of the world and HBO's The Gilded Age. (laughs) The Gilded Age has an official podcast, which is hosted by Tom Myers. So, folks, that is not this Tom Myers. They are spelled differently, and the subject matter of these shows is different. You actually
0: prefaced the announcement that I wanted to make. Um, I'm going to be taking some time off from this show, so I got this new project I'm focusing on. So,
1: <laughs> Gina, how about yourself? Oh, good. Yeah, starting some new projects. I'm 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 good. It's been a, it's it's a good time of year. Yeah. Um, I found it uh, interesting. Um, I was getting together with my family. Uh,
0: of course, you know, I was raised in a pretty uh, somewhat suburban area of uh of the state of maryland we're like a somewhat slowly like reddening dot in the great in the great blue wave that is uh that is the state of maryland but i noticed that in our large uh family gathering that we had uh it was a table full of uh white people and not one of them had a positive thing to say about donald trump so I was quite I was quite taken aback by that. It's like my family's not like Norman Rockwell. If anything, we belong in the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. <laughs> well, that's good news.
1: How progressive your family is. <laughs>
0: and the weird thing is, is that my dad has been like Mr. Republican since like I've known him. Like he was like Nixon, Ford, Reagan, all the way up through Romney. And then when Trump ran for office. And then during his term, when he started saying native things about the military, my dad was a combat veteran and uh, served for uh, was on and off in the service for 30 years. That's kind of what what turned him off to Trump. I don't necessarily know that my dad's progressive, but <laughs> he's he's like me. The only thing that's uh, uh, progressing with him is uh, is our aches and pains that we have as we get older. But. I was like, you know, dad's kind of, he's hes softening his shell. We'll take it. We'll take it. Does he listen to the show? Thankfully, his hearing's going, so I don't have to hear anything. From it. <laughs> <laughs> in my younger days, I was quick to take to the streets and protest whenever I saw something going on that was unjust and needed to be rectified by a petition for the redress of a grievance. As I get older, though, I find it more difficult for me to engage. In fact... The last time I stopped traffic and caused a scene, it wasn't a protest. My girlfriend and I simply decided not to pull into an empty parking lot before she gave me a hand job in her open convertible. Mm. <laughs> My wildly irreverent and hedonistic lifestyle aside, that doesn't change the fact there have been nearly 400 actions by organized labor in 2023 in more than 600 locations across the US. It's not just the prevention of benefit cuts or the request for an increase in pay, but the efforts to unionize workers, for example, Starbucks, that are bringing about an engagement in the public's awareness of the plight of the American worker. Joining us tonight for the first part of this episode to discuss these issues, please welcome Lynn Delmani. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, welcome you. to the show. Uh, the reason why I wanted to have you on is uh, Lynn, you're, uh, you're a nurse and I noticed that uh, like a lot of the stuff's been going on this year in terms of, we'll get into a little bit with uh, like auto workers striking a little bit later in this segment, but I mean, I understand like a lot of um, like a a lot of nurses have gone on strike. I know there was a a big one that took place um, in uh, Northern New Jersey. We're going to see a little bit of that uh, segment uh, coming up in a bit. Um, but it seems like, I mean, there, well, the nurses union is, uh, SEIU. That's the service, uh, that's, that's, the service industry, um, union, uh, Lynn, do you hold out any hope for, uh, any, uh, a- a- any change for the way nurses such as yourself are are treated in your, uh, places of employment?
2: Unfortunately, I do not. I, <laughs> I've been a nurse for 41 years. And uh, up until a few years ago, I always worked in hospitals. I have worked in union hospitals, and I've worked in non-union hospitals. The bad part for nursing is that nursing is predominantly a female-dominated career. I mean, nowadays, there are more men getting into it, but for until maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was almost predominantly women. Now, there are men, but it's still the same issue for the most part, because nurses Make okay money, and but people always think nurses make great money. Doctors make great money. Nurses make okay money. You make enough to pay your bills and to live, but most nurses work. Uh, they basically live day to day. I mean, paycheck to paycheck. And I have actually, uh, when I worked up in the Bay Area, I was involved in uh, strikes a few times as a nurse. And you know, one of the things that people don't realize, in addition to fighting for basic decent wages and health care benefits one of the big things that nurses fight for almost every time is safe staffing ratios because working in the hospital the question is never are we going to be short the question is how short are we going to be Mm. you know i worked emergency room in a non-union hospital but it happens even in union hospitals christmas day i was five nurses short so we had about half the staff we needed and a very busy, very full ER, you know, and for, and sadly the news almost always, um, wants to just, you know, make villainize nurses, make them seem like, oh, they're just greedy people. But all they really want is cost of living raises. I mean, I net, I now work for a pharmacy. Uh, I don't get a cost of living raise and I don't, uh, you know, I get a raise every year, but it's never equal to. It's like less than a third of the cost of living increase every year. I mean, I would, I for one would like to be
0: treated and cared for by a nurse without, uh, you know, her having to worry about. I think a lot of us have had, uh, have, have, have had this experience, except Jeff, because he's always been pretty well to do. Where, you know, you have to focus on, you have have to focus on your job and then worry about, okay, am I going to be, am I going to be able to buy groceries? Am I going to be able to afford this? Am I going to be able to live?
3: Lynn, how do you feel that uh, nurses are being treated by uh, hospital administrators and doctors? Has that changed over the years?
2: Well, nurses and doctors um, usually have a fairly okay relationship with each other because doctors aren't the nurses' employers. The doctors are your coworkers. They're doing a different job, but they're dependent on you. So if you're a nurse doing a good job, they love you because you're taking good care of their patients and you're doing the work that needs to be done for their patients. The administrators don't really seem to understand that nurses are people who need an adequate salary. And they don't understand. I mean, I work emergency room inner city ERs for years. We're super busy. It's a crazy place to work. And most people, including administrators, were afraid to come into our department, especially in the middle of the day, because it's insanity working in an emergency room. And the people who don't work in that environment don't have any clue. And unfortunately, administrators, for the most part, are just looking at the profit and the bottom line, not the fact that you've got women and men working 12 16 hours plus without a break without food because you didn't have enough nurses to take care of all the patients so they had to just pick up the slack and not take even a 30 minute break
1: Oof. is it that they don't they there's not enough nurses that they can hire or they won't hire because they want to keep the numbers low
2: well sadly there's not even the nurses that you can hire there's yeah. always there's, since i've been a nurse there's been a national nursing shortage which if you're a nurse that means that you can always find a job yeah it's a good thing Yeah, the bad thing is that you know as a nurse any job you get you're going to be working short staffed a large portion of the time yeah and nowadays i mean when i was young i don't know if this is super clean or whatever but when i was young women had very few options right so you could either be a teacher, a nurse, or a hooker. Right. <laughs> so I, you know, yeah. I'm allergic to apples. I don't like taking my clothes off and on, so I became a nurse.
0: Nowadays, <laughs> in some movies, the careers can be interchangeable. Yeah, so. or just yeah. There you go. <laughs> <All> the
2: <same>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, nowadays, women have so many other options. Yeah. I mean, I discouraged my kids from becoming nurses. I have two girls, and I told them, do not become a nurse because I didn't want them to have to work that hard. And I wanted them to have the ability to, there's a very low glass ceiling for nurses. I mean, your salary caps at a very low rate. And so right now, women, they have the ability to work in all kinds of fabulous careers and make lots of money.
0: Well, before we move on, I'll go ahead and just give a shout out to my niece, Grace, who's a nurse down in Louisville, where she graduated as a, uh, a proud Cardinal. She went to the university down there. Uh, she was a freshman the same year that Lamar Jackson was a senior, by the way. So oh. that's our, our, that's my, that's our, uh, that that's her claim to fame other than being related to me. So that actually might be a better one. And uh, I, I know she works a lot in the, uh, in the, the NICU unit, the, uh, the Neo, uh, the uh, works a lot with preemies, a lot with yeah. uh, premature babies. Huh. So, uh, the stories that she tells some of them are heartbreaking, and uh, i I completely sympathize with the plight of those in the medical profession.
1: I love nurses, both of my babies were NICU babies. love love, love nurses.
2: <laughs> That's a hard place to work
0: in this news report. we get a look at one strike outside the Robert Wood Johnson Hospital in northern New Jersey.
2: this Labor Day,
4: as the country celebrates its workers. More than 1,700 nurses in New Jersey are on the picket line, fighting for better staffing and pay. I just can't believe how they're treating us this way. It's day 32 of their strike against Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital and emotions are still raw, especially after employees learned Friday the hospital ended their health insurance. You're cutting that off to people that really need it. We have nurses with cancer, we have nurses that are pregnant, we have nurses yeah. that have severe medical problems. The hospital says it discontinued coverage because striking nurses did not work the minimum number of hours required and that the union was notified well in advance. Union leaders say they can't and won't cave into financial pressure. Their main sticking point, high nurse to patient ratios that are simply unsafe. They're asking things that are not even humanly possible. And then it's our own license that pays the price, not them. And that's wrong. They should be held accountable. A spokesperson for the hospital said it has, quote, added 200 staff nurse positions since 2022 and has reduced its nurse vacancy rate to nearly half the national average. But NICU nurse Jennifer Kwok says it's not enough. People think it's about money. This is because at some point I, as a nurse, may be lying there in the hospital. And to know that that nurse might have too many other patients so far, no further dates of negotiations have been scheduled in New Brunswick, New Jersey, Christina fan CBS two news.
0: It does seem to be a cycle where, you know, we go ahead and and thank service workers for, uh, for everything they've done. Like we, we, we see this with the troops when they, when they, when they come back from, when they come back from a war, we, with police and firefighters, especially after September 11th, and then uh, doctors and nurses, especially after COVID, and then like we talk about COVID fatigue, we're ready to get back to we're ready to get back to normal. But this is just another kind of fatigue, and it seems to have gone in a very, very sinister direction.
3: We appreciate you, but we're not going to pay you. Yeah. Thank you for your services in past tense
1: yeah like teachers i wonder um if and and I, I imagine it just makes sense like if enough people strike and it goes on longer i mean if you lob off healthcare and they named conditions that people might have but everybody needs healthcare cuz you could have a condition in 10 minutes you you we never we never know when you're going to have a condition it may not be chronic but it could be sudden right you take away that, do and if it's long enough, will they just say I'm done and go working someplace else? And then it would take that so that there's literally no nursing staff at the hospital for them to negotiate appropriately? I mean, and is that what
2: happens? Um, unfortunately, they do have some nurses who are working and crossing the picket line. And usually they they do these really you know, hard bargaining chips of, you know, they take everything away from the nurses and then they will um, slowly give a tiny bit. But usually they take away a lot so that they can give you a teeny tiny something back. Used to be that health insurance for nurses uh, back probably 20 years ago, most of the hospitals would pay or you got pretty decent health coverage. Mm-hmm. And then the last hospital I started, that I worked at in East LA they had their own their own health insurance. When I first started working for them, it was really good. But then every year when they would renegotiate the contracts, mm-hmm. they would they still provided you the same insurance, but they depleted the the services that were provided for you, to where it became all of a sudden nothing's covered. You're paying a fortune, and you're out of luck. And the current job I have, all of my options for health care, my insurance is poor. You know, I have to spend four thousand dollars minimum yep. for my copay before the insurance even kicks in. So it's only good for a debilitating disease that you have. But you're working in healthcare trying to take care of people and you really are treated like less than a second class citizen as a nurse. And you you know that the administration really doesn't quite if they come in sick, they're happy that you know you're there to take care of them and but they expect also they don't get the care that they that possibly may be given to a lot of people because they are administration they yeah. work in the hospital, they come in the back door, they go straight right. to a bed even for something you yeah. know minor or something like that, where yeah. the other people are sitting out in the waiting room because yeah. they have something minor, but they don't have any clout, yeah, they
1: get the concierge version of service right,
2: yes, and so they never quite understand what happens. And I don't think for the most part, I don't think they're bad people or they're mean. Their job is to make sure the hospitals make X amount of dollars. Right. And that's all they're thinking about. And they're not thinking about the fact that when you've got like me as a registered nurse, I'm working in the emergency room and I've got my patients to take care of. If because I've got so many critically ill patients or sick patients, I mess up and something bad happens to one of those people and those people end up dying or, or having some type of thing, I get sued. Right. And it's my, I can lose my license because I should, what we're told is you should have known to refuse that assignment. But how can you refuse the assignment when everybody is stretched then?
0: In addition to working with patients and seeing that they're cared for, there's the dealing of red tape as well as the risks of burnout and even worse with nurses. It's not just taking to the streets that medical professionals use as a method to bring to light the arduous nature of their work. Some even take to social media to vent their work-related stress and air their grievances. In this clip, we get an analysis of one nurse's coping technique during her shift.
5: This nurse has just lost a patient. Overwhelmed with emotion, she leans against the wall. Then she removes her mask and tries to shake it off. She still has five hours left in her shift. Her video is set to emotional music. And her camera is positioned to capture her movements perfectly. But today, the nurse finds herself under fire. Many people who've seen the video on social media are calling her self-promoting, and the video cringeworthy. Now the debate is raging. Did she go too far? I had a lot of people die on my watch during the pandemic, and this type of performative garbage makes me furious, says one healthcare worker. Let me set up the camera so I can cry, goes another edgy remark. It seems to be part of a growing trend. TikTok is filled with healthcare workers posting their anguish after a patient dies. This nurse sits on the floor, lamenting the death of her patient. This healthcare worker is in the hospital parking garage, overcome by grief. Some comments are supportive. I'm sure it's hard to lose a patient. Sometimes you just want to feel seen at the height of the pandemic america fell in love with hero healthcare workers and their videos showing how they stayed upbeat during such harrowing times so did this nurse go too far we asked medical ethicist professor michael guzmano i don't think it rises to the level of being unethical i thought it was probably mildly unprofessional and
1: uh, a little bit attention seeking. I just hope that the negative attention does not detract from the important work that nurses are doing.
0: I do see a bit of a double standard where we think it's cute when we see like soldiers, you know, we see the military or the police do something like that, but when you see but for some reason if it's if it's nurses that seems to be that seems to be the sticking point. where is it is it really bad if if these types of things you know, humanize them?
2: I think it kind of goes to, um, nurses are when I was first started as a nurse, I was taught you do not show emotion. You have to maintain calm in this facade at all times. You don't let anybody know your stress. So you learn to, the shit's hitting the fan, things are going on. And you don't show any emotion. You don't show any fear. Patient comes in, something's going on with them. You don't let them know that you are, because they need to know that you're in control and you know what's going on. But the problem is that it kind of helps to propagate that belief that everybody has that nurses aren't people. Something like this. She's not showing her patients. She's not showing, you know, a a board or anything, showing anything with the patient's she's showing that this is stressful for her. And one of the biggest problems for nurses is I've been, you know, working and you work really hard on, you know, saving somebody's life and, you know, you lose that patient. And sometimes they're young people, sometimes they're babies, you know, and you're expected to just go to your next patient. I mean, you just spent an hour trying to save, you know, somebody's life. And it's like, okay, nope, they're dead. Okay, finish the paperwork for them. And now, Go take care of this one who's coming in. And you got to save that one's life. And you're not given usually a break to even process it or deal with it. You know, and it's hard. And as a nurse, you end up losing a lot of patients. That's not something that's unusual. So she took a few minutes. She went out in the hallway, you know, videotaping herself, whatever. But she's trying to show the world, hey, these things affect us too. We have feelings too. We're people too. But then once she finished that little TikTok video that she did, I'm sure she went back into her department right. and started trying to save somebody else's life or trying to help somebody else feel better.
3: So Go what ahead. you're saying is, it, it's what, even if you find it distasteful, even if you find it self-promoting, it's getting her through the shift. It's getting her through the day. It's getting her through what she's dealing with. So how can that be a bad thing?
1: Well the other part of it is that it, what it, it is how I mean she was younger than you and I Jeff and Lynn right mm-hmm. so this this is how th- that this generation and anybody on social media this is how we share feelings and every piece of social media is a little bit self-promoting. Every time we get on, we say or do a vid or post. It is, it's the way it is, but that's okay. Like, I mean, you you can't then start judging, what, you know, these things. She wasn't recording uh, a stabbing or something. So I think she was sharing and it who knows, like if she had commentary after, but then she will go and maybe see supportive comments and they might help her get through. And often that's what people are doing. There's tons of videos out there of people, you know, having a breakdown or crying or whatever their story is, right? And then when they read the comments that aren't hateful, they feel lifted in some way. And if that's what you need, take it. What, are you kidding? It's free. It's free support. Take it as much as you can.
0: So we'll go ahead and move on from uh, the nursing strike to the Writers Guild and sag after strikes. In their tentative agreement, actors and writers will get such benefits as additional pay, protection from artificial intelligence, and benefits from streaming services. This isn't to say that all entertainers were in solidarity with their colleagues in the industry. Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher started their own shows despite the writer's strike still going on. I'm shocked. Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher have
3: writers?
0: (laughs) Of course, during the strike, Greg Gutfeld's late-night show was still airing on Fox since that show uses non-union writers. Calling his material, written by non-union writers, however, is generous. In fact, he has monkeys who rip pages out of a thesaurus and wipe themselves. And whatever words aren't left covered in shit, he uses them for his opening monologue. (laughs) Exacerbating the problem is the push for more so-called reality-based TV shows that don't need writers. For example, Pawn Stars is looking for extras for their next series where they will travel across the country. I can imagine the extras trying to negotiate their payment. Best I can do is $75 on a lunch buffet that our catering crew made two days ago. (laughs) Joining us in this segment of the show, please welcome Jamie Black. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Jamie. Well, first off, uh, congratulations. I just wanted to go ahead and say you are SAG-AFTRA, correct? I am, yeah. So, congratulations on your on your deal. And I want to go ahead and preface this by saying I'm not union, but of course, I fully supported the writers and the actors. Uh, in their efforts to negotiate a fair contract. And I'm happy that they've got something uh, tentative. But Jamie, you, of course, you literally just moved out to Los Angeles right before, uh, right before the strike happened. Excellent yeah. timing.
6: Yeah, I came out in May uh, and this May 21st and the strike started, I don't know, it was, uh, I don't know, a few weeks after that. I know the WGA strike was still going on. So I was out on the picket lines for SAG-AFTRA in support of WGA because, you know, we all support each other. All uh, all uh, unions support each other. So um, I think it was the direct because the directors were on strike, too, and they, they ended really quickly. I was a, um, a gate captain. Uh, I started volunteering for the strike because I have a bad hip, so I can't keep walking like that. So I volunteered so I could sit somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, or just walk you know, very slowly between, you know, two points. Um, so i I was uh, a gate captain at Netflix, and there was a gentleman who uh, who was a vendor uh for netflix that uh made it his point to harass all of us mm. uh when he came to do whatever he had to do uh and it got bad enough that at one point he nudged one of the strikers with his truck oh. as he was coming out of of the uh the lot so then that put everybody on alert on alert there were secret undercover cops that were walking the perimeter with the actors. Um, We had to to, uh, notify everyone when he came in to the building that he was here and then let everybody know when he left just to make sure that nothing major was going to go down and everything. But, I mean, as far as we know, he wasn't gonna be you know a a problem other than that one time but you know you just never know he just he just oh just yell stuff at us flip us off and stuff like that and i was just like why do you care
2: wow
3: jamie the way i see this from as an outsider the timing was set forth in advance it seemed they wanted to have a reason to shut everything down to lower costs, so they could go to reality shows and reruns. They most of the scripted shows uh, were were out of business for the fall season, and then so they they taught you a lesson, and now they started up coincidentally just in time so that the spring season can start again. All the uh, scripted shows are back in production. They're working twice as hard. Maybe they're cutting back on episodes instead of doing 22. They're doing 15, but they're still in production. They're rushing through it, of course. But they, they're also using this as, as an excuse not to bring back a lot of shows. So the timing, I, I felt like, to me like it was set forth in advance. Did you feel that way? Oh well yeah sure I'm I'm sure that that had a lot to do with it. And I want to uh, compliment uh, Jamie and, and Gina as an actress you 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 would appreciate this. I I looked at, at Jamie's uh IMDb page a very 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 nice picture by the way. And 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 his IMDb includes his playing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. And a part in a show called My Mama Says Your Mama Is a Dyke. So that shows a diversity. That shows range. I didn't even know I didn't
1: even know that lay people went to IMDB and checked it out. <laughs> I thought it was just for us actors to go look at ourselves.
6: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. No. That's so, that's very true,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the dangers to actors and writers is the use of artificial intelligence. However, there are some upsides. Oh, that's a product of AI is now a great excuse for me to use whenever someone says I promise to go on their podcast. (laughs) For those of us who bemoan the disadvantages of AI, here's an AI-generated Homer and Marge Simpson singing Gautier's song, Somebody I Used to Know.
3: and I'll think of when we were
6: together like when you said you felt so happy you could die told myself that you were right for me but felt so lonely in your company but that was love
5: and it's a an ache I still remember
0: <laughs> to me that that kind of ruins the Simpsons for me because like I would have thought that would have made a great couch gag if Matt Groening or the other if the other writers and animators had done that. But the if, if they ever tried that that AI generated version is just that's going to ruin it for me.
3: Uh, Gina and, and Jamie as as actors can you explain why AI was such an important issue in the strike?
1: Well, I'm not SAG, but I've, I still have gotten a ton of emails about AI. I've, I've had, I've asked, I've had companies, agencies, send me information. Would I mind signing this to use my like, you know, my likeness or whatever? Um, For me, it's just that again, like you're, you're not really getting, Credit and paid for your your likeness, your ability to be the character. You know, it's it's a um, a caricature. It's not you. So that that I don't know what um, a SAG actor might. That was just my version. I I haven't signed a paper yet to date.
6: Yeah. So the the issue with AI was initially that you know they could scan your likeness and then they can use it in perpetuity and never, never pay you except for that, you know, the initial thing that you did. Um, So now uh, one of the things that is in the, the, um, the new contract is that you, they, they have to get your permission if they're going to use your likeness, they have to pay you, also, if they use your likeness, they also have to pay you while they create the, your likeness uh, as though you are the as you as though you are the actor. They they pay you and they pay you if they use your likeness and you get paid as though you are actually doing the one acting.
3: So Tom has had a heralded appearance in Veep. <laughs> uh, hold for applause. And <laughs> what they wanted to do here. Was to be able to say they could re. Repro- I, I, I'm shuddering as I say it. They wanted to reproduce. They could reproduce Tom and use him in other episodes of other shows. Yes. Oh.
1: And not pay. I mean, and, and not
3: pay. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, for me as non-union, it probably wouldn't change my life that much. Given that I have to do the work to get paid. Um, I have done union jobs, but I'm just still non-union. But but yeah, like, I mean, I think that's the problem. It's always about money. But the the way that you have described it in the contract now, I mean, they may as well just use a real actor. <laughs> like, they're going to have to pay you like one. They may as well get the goods.
6: Exactly. Yeah. And Yeah, but that's, and you can, you know, and and you can withdraw consent, but if yeah. they... You know, if they have to, like, if for instance, if you do a movie or a TV show or something, you're you're going to sign something that says they can uh, use your likeness. Yeah. If the they time. then decide to do it, they have to come back and get your consent again to right. use it. Yeah. Whereas,
0: because like I was a non-union actor. But I still am. They could pretty much take my image and they could actually make a lot of people very happy and just have me be a a dead body in every other episode of Law and Order. Plenty of people would love to see me be a dead body. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to tell where downward trends in culture begin, much like a pandemic. For example, was COVID-19 created in a lab? Or was it because of me going to a witch doctor outside Wuhan where we sacrificed a bat in an attempt to make myself more virile (laughs) An attempt, which unfortunately didn't succeed. (laughs) We may never know the answer to that question, just as we may never know which country is to blame for the pandemic of seizure inducing entertainment. In this clip, the American based max network formerly HBO max gives us a promo for a sensationalized dating show that originated in Europe, A show called Naked Attraction.
5: Are you ready to play the game? Welcome to Naked Attraction,
4: the dating show that likes to let it all hang out. Can picking a partner based solely on natural beauty help you find the (laughs) one? Bring it on. When we're entirely unfiltered, what do men and women really find attractive? We are going to reveal them to you bit by bit. Are you ready for this? I'm ready now for Mr. Wright. Really can't wait to see you with the clothes on.
6: We like to start
4: where a good date ends, naked. Do you want to see a little bit more?
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I've had some bad dates that been in nudity. I mean,
1: yeah. Me too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, that's cool.
3: I have watched that show.
1: I don't. I need to see what that's about.
6: I've watched it. I can't do it. Yeah, no? <laughs> not good.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the only good. way I would do it, like, it would have to be under the condition that they would pay me so much that I could just afford to stay home and never be seen in public again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my only caveat.
1: But, but Jamie, do they show everything? Yes. Like there's the- no fuzzy camera down.
3: Oh no no no! Because no, it's on yeah, it's on the-
1: HBO Max. Oh yeah. yeah.
3: And and Gina, it's like seven seasons in the oh. UK of this. Oh, so on um, I can go. I can like stream. <laughs> yeah, you can binge it too.
1: Oh yes, this sounds mindless. <laughs> uh, I, sign me up, not to be on it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> That's super cool. Um yeah. Plus
3: plus what they do and I, I don't want to sound like an expert after watching two episodes of it. But uh <laughs> e- even if you've been eliminated because the uh, the, the 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 they fought, they don't like your ankles or they don't like something about you, you still have to walk out in your all together ah show them what you're what what uh,
1: everything it, is made of
3: yeah yes It want to show what you're missing
1: wait do, do is the face ever shown or no yeah. oh yeah yes <laughs> can you see the face before you reject
6: no no, no. oh so it it's is the last thing you see somebody. yeah that's the per-
1: that's the yes point no. uh, ah yeah. yeah oh wow do you oh
0: Technically, the personality is the last thing that you that you get. To yeah, right, out. right,
1: right. Right. That's
6: painful. Ooh,
0: I
1: mean, the I don't full know, one that one I would,
6: anybody that would go on that show. That that would be somebody that I would think would be quality marriage material. So, <laughs> right,
1: right. And I mean, but anybody could go on a on a coffee like you. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't have to marry them. It's not like that love at marriage at first sight thing or whatever that is. You know.
6: Okay, I'm, I'm first yeah. sign. That's the show I watch.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm a 90 day girl. 90 day over here.
6: <laughs> Not only do I watch it, I have a podcast about it.
1: Oh my God! Which, I want to be on a podcast and talk about dumb shows. <laughs> which
0: I've I've, I've been on. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, Lindel Monty, and
2: Jamie Black. Yay! Thank you so much. This was great.
3: Thank Thanks, you. Tom. This was fun. Thank you, Tom.
0: This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen and Gina Brown and guests Linda Monty and Jamie Black. Theme music composed and arranged by your own Van Der Executive producers, Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please give a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast's Patreon for ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi
3: everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. A-A-R-O-N is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the A-Cast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.